come to that in a moment. Um, but I'm just going to talk very briefly about it. What that passage is saying is some of the heart of what the Christian gospel is about. God came in Jesus to have a relationship with us, a relationship that we broke through our own messed up way, through turning our back on him. But in the incredible love of God, he came to restore a relationship with us and give us full rights. As in, in the Greek it says, as a son of God. And that's, Paul was writing this to men and women, saying you're son of God. And he was doing that for very good reasons. Not because he was being sexist, but because back then, sons inherited everything from their father. The ladies got nothing. So when Paul was writing to the ladies saying, you are sons, as he was actually being incredibly sort of um, unsexist, if that's, that's the word, and saying to all of us that put our trust in him, we're God's children. We have rights if before God or under God if we're in Christ. And the message at the heart of that is one of the core reasons why prayer is really really important. As Stuart said at the start, we start, we're, um, we're beginning a new series on prayer tonight. And I'm really excited to see what God is going to do as hopefully we all grow in understanding what prayer is. Even if we've been praying for a long time, I think there's always room for us to grow. Um, the Bible says you should pray continuously. Hands up here, anybody that's ever managed that. Good, so we've all got somewhere to grow. Uh, not to make you feel guilty, we're just, you know, just saying. So I'm really excited. Um, I don't know if you know this as well, powerful movements in, uh, of God throughout history, particularly revival in churches in this country, one of the core things that precedes them has always been the devotion of a group of people to prayer to continual prayer, sometimes for years before God. And then revival comes out. Prayer is this incredible gift that we have now as children of God that we can stand and we can ask as heirs of heaven. I want to start with a, with a little poll. Hands up here if you've ever prayed a prayer. Okay. I, hope for, I was hoping everyone's hands went up then. Okay. That's reassuring. Uh, raise your hand if you've ever had a prayer answered. Okay. Keep your hands raised if you've ever been disappointed by God or felt he's not answering your prayers. Okay, one or two, put their hands down. That's really good. That's really encouraging. Uh, raise your hand if you'd like to get better at prayer. Okay, good. We're exciting things for all of us. You know, sometimes when we, we, we pray, I think prayer can be one of these things where actually it can be really easy and really difficult almost at the same time. Sometimes when 
prayer, prayer seems to, to, to come naturally to us and it seems to be flowing. And the next minute, all of a sudden, you can be uh, distracted and feel far off or feel that, that, that God's not there or everything's going wrong. Maybe it's a, just a few day, days apart. Maybe it's even, even in, in the same day. Prayer can be easy and difficult. We can go through seasons where it seems really hard and seasons where it seems great. And what we're going to do tonight is I think we're going to uh, just sort of begin to scratch the surface of prayer. But over these coming weeks, we're going to try and look at some of those really important questions in prayer about how do we approach God boldly? How do we deal with those disappointments or seeming unanswered prayers? How, how do we keep asking God? How do we hear God as well? But tonight, what I want us to do is really look at that fundamental question of why pray? Why do we need to pray? It's an incredible gift of God, something we've got a right to do, as we heard from that reading. But, but why do we pray? The first reason, I think, is this, is simply we're designed to pray. Did a poll here at the start, didn't we? We all raised our hand when we said, if you've ever prayed. And I don't know if you know this, but study after study shows that people pray. Not only do most religions in the world have some form of prayer in them, but actually even people that say they don't believe in God or have a relationship with him, a huge proportion of them also admit to praying. Did you know that? We're in one of the more secular uh, countries in, in the world, and a recent survey found that well over half the adults in this country admit to play, praying reasonably regularly, even though a lot of them then go on to say they don't really believe in God. And this regular praying is not just the, please God help, or please God no, prayers that I'm, I think Virtually everybody does uh, from time to time. But actually, maybe even longer prayers for family members or for tougher situations. I think when, when things aren't right, sort of a natural human response is to cry out for help, and we cry out to God. I want to read you some comments that I found fascinating from this, uh, from this um, study on prayer that I um, I read this week. This is a guy called Henry. He doesn't have his surname. Um, this was taken from uh, the Guardian newspaper. And this guy, Henry, uh, admits to praying every night. He kneels on his bed. Um, but then he was asked if he, now at the end of his bed, uh, and asked if he believed in God. And he says this, I don't know, but I would describe myself to be more at the sceptical end of agnosticism. That's whether or not he believes in God. I certainly don't classify myself as religious. I worry about it, that's praying, quite a lot. Is it some kind of insurance policy? Is it superstition? Or is it something more real? My routine starts by silently reciting the Lord's Prayer and then ask for loved ones to be kept safe and well. Sometimes I include other specific people or suffering groups. Then, listen to this, I get this fuzzy moment, not concrete thoughts, and I don't ask for specific things. 
But this is what it says at the end, and this is a sad bit. I still have no idea if God hears my prayers. I wonder why I don't stop doing it. Sometimes it feels like a kind of hypocrisy. Isn't that absolutely fascinating? That someone who isn't really sure God is real still spends time talking to him each day. Around the world, well over two-thirds of people spend time regularly praying. It screams to me that human beings are designed to pray. It doesn't seem normal that this desire to to, to cry out, to, to talk to God, is anything other than something God has put inside of us. There seems to be no other plausible reason for it to me. Certainly doesn't seem like something that's a helpful evolution thing to do if God isn't really there and doesn't make a difference in people's lives. I don't know if you've ever thought about this when you've been reading the story of creation as well. Adam and Eve were in the garden, pre-fall, before any sin entered the world, and prayer was there, slightly different, only slightly. What did God do every evening, we're told? He comes to the garden and spent time with Adam and Eve, walked around the garden with them. What do you think they walked in silence? They spent time talking with one another. Prayer was there right from the beginning, this close relationship with God, sharing how each other's days uh, went probably saying, look at that plant, God. You made that plant really well. And God's saying, oh, I'm glad you like that, Adam. Something like that. I don't know. I'm maybe imagining a bit too uh, much now. Anyway, we're designed to pray. Every single one of us is designed to pray. And so linked to that, the second thing I want to say about prayer is God wants you to talk openly to him when you pray. It really does make sense. If God designed us as people to be in relationship with him, he wants us to have a good relationship with him. Have you heard about someone called Jesus? God sent him, his son, to suffer and to die for us so that we could be in relationship with him. I know this is really simple, but I just want to make it really clear. God wants to be in relationship with us. He doesn't want us to be distant relatives, but he brought us back to be heirs, to be children of God, close to him. I don't like it when my children hide something from me. I want them to be honest and open because I want to help them as a father grow and be the best that they can be. And that is the same with our God in heaven. I don't like it when my children just come to me and try and butter me up or perhaps um, try and pretend they're, they're all sweet and innocent in some argument or situation that that's, that's broken out. But I often feel that actually sometimes that's what 
we feel we have to do with God in, in, in our prayers. We put on like our spiritual makeup, um, perhaps. Or we say this proverbial, I'm fine, thanks to God. You know, like we do when people ask us, how are you? We just say, I'm fine, thanks, even quite often when we're not. But God doesn't want us to do that. God wants us to come to him as we are. We don't need to dress anything up, but just come to him honestly as we are with the good things and also with the bad. We can be honest like we can with real friends. Jesus told this uh, uh, parable, didn't he? about a Pharisee and a tax collector praying in the temple. Do you remember this parable that that Jesus told? We have a tax collector in there using uh, strong words and saying, look at me, I'm great, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like anybody else. And then you have this tax collector just coming and asking for, God have mercy on me, a sinner. No pretense, just a genuine recognition of, of who he was. And what did Jesus say? It was the Pharisee that that went home justified before God and not the Pharisee because the tax collector was being honest. He knew who he was before God and was just being himself. The Bible's littered, by the way, if you didn't know this, uh, with examples of people being real and honest before God in prayer. As in the Psalms, but in other places. Uh, we looked at a Psalm of David a couple of weeks ago, um, uh, last time I spoke, which was two weeks ago. Uh, there's another Psalm of his, Psalm 22. Let me read you a couple of lines for this. This is another Psalm of David. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift up my voice, but I find no relief. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. He's coming to him, God, honestly, but he's also still recognizing who God is in it. There's also uh, one from from Job who'd lost everything through no fault of his own. Um, And he calls out, oh, why give light to those in misery and life to those who are bitter? He's saying this to God. They long people... Long for death and it won't come. They search for death eagerly more than they search for hidden treasure. You know, Job in, in, in a pit of moaning. Or Jonah, who, who obeys God um, eventually. And then, then God uses him powerfully. But then Jonah turns to God and says, you made me look foolish. I knew you'd do that. He's grumpy and, and honest with God. And it doesn't mean that these feelings are necessarily uh, good and godly feelings, but God wants you to come with them so we can grow, so our relationship with him can grow. Jesus himself, too, was honest in his times of prayer. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed to God his Father, struck with grief, Lord, if it's possible, take this cup from me. Yet move God in that prayer, strengthens him and moves him on to say, yet not my will, but yours. And so God's strength comes in and Jesus willingly is prepared to go forward 
to the cross. My own experience of prayer has also been that God has responded best when I'm open and honest with him. When God first called me back uh, after my wandering away years at university, it was prompted my be, by me, I think, or God meeting me when I was shouting an angry prayer inside my head to God. God responded to that honesty. It was probably the first time I was really, really honest and just um, with myself and with God. And God responded to that. I also, um, yeah, a few other times as well, a disaster has struck. That's actually often the times when you're really honest and you sense God with you. I remember friends as well that I've had on uh, during difficult times, speaking truth into my life. I mean, perhaps at times not being very nice to them, but they stuck with me and kept going with me. And they're still the friends that are, they're the friends I, I trust to today because they were honest back with me to help move me forward. They wanted what was good to happen by having honest conversations with me. And I think that's what our God responds to us when we're honest with him. He, he gives him permission to, to meet us where we're at with honesty and truth to help us move us forward better. We're ready to take it. One of the verses that I've been uh, particularly uh, struck me this year in my own quiet times, I must have read it before, but it's really, uh, really struck me this year. It's from uh, Ephesians it's chapter 2, verse 10. Um, I've been sort of contemplating it over the last few weeks and Paul writes this for he says we but I'm just going to say you for you are what God has made you created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he prepared beforehand to be your way of life there's a whole sermon on, on that verse but one of the things this verse does say is that God wants our way of life, that's all of it, to be full of goodness, to be full of good works, which he has ready for us to do. The good works are prepared for us to do. But we can only do that when we're in Christ Jesus, when we're in relationship with him. Not as distant relatives, I think, but as close sons and daughters of God. God is big enough to take our anger, our questions, our, our disappointments or whatever else life might throw at us. But if you, and so just come and bring them. We're designed to be in relationship. Come with who you really are, the good and the bad before God and keep trusting in him keep going after God and I promise you he, he won't let you down like my friends at university when I was mean and horrible to them and they were trying to call me back to God they persisted like godly friends should and I still trust them today so the, sort of the, the challenge for us as we 
start this series on prayer. Is I'm sure there's, there might well be a huge variety of, uh, of, of people in this room of where we are in, in our prayer life. Some of you, are, I hope a good number of you, already spend time in prayer daily with God. But if that's not you, what I would love you to do is as we do this series on prayer, is I would love you to commit to spending 10, five to 10 minutes a day. Five minutes is quite short, so go for 10. 10 minutes a day just in prayer before God. Over the years, I've heard quite a lot of excuses about why it's difficult for people to have a quiet time, time of prayer uh, with God. People say, it's just not me, I'm just not made like that, or I don't have enough time uh, to, to, to spend in, in, in prayer. Um, my life's so busy, so I can just shoot up quick prayers every now and again, uh, every time I need to. Uh, going once a week to church is the, is the only time so if I really need to do it. all kinds of things like that. I just want to say, if there was any ever anyone who could make those kind of excuses about being a busy life and doing things really, really well and having all kinds of pressures on, on him and not needing because he knew what his mission was. It was probably Jesus, particularly in, in his earthly ministry. The reading we had this morning in Mark's Gospel uh, tells of um, the whole village coming out to see uh, Jesus after very early on in his ministry, but what, and Jesus not being there. Um, why wasn't Jesus there? Because he'd taken himself away to start the day and spend time with God, his Father, on his own. And it's a repeating pattern in Jesus' ministry. He always makes sure regularly throughout his ministry recorded in the Bible. He spends time alone in prayer with his father. He prays with other people, but he spends time alone and with God. Some of the best friends I still have are people I grew up with. I don't know if that's the same for you. And I wonder why they're the best friends you have. I think perhaps one of the reasons is because when we were young, you went to school, used to hang out and play, you used to see those people every day virtually and spend time with them. You got to know them, they got to know you really well as you went through life together. I think it's the same in our relationship with God. If we really want to know the good works that God has for us, to recognize God's voice and to see those opportunities better, then I think we need to spend more time, regular time with God. And we will hear and understand His ways, His plans, His paths more clearly and be willing to trust Him. So, challenge is spend time with God from now up to Easter. Patrick mentions a really good app you can do, which is Lexio 365. It gives you time for prayer and Bible readings each day. You can do that. 
start your day just five to ten minutes doing it on the train or wherever it might be with God. And then perhaps at the end of the day, as you sit down, have a think. How did my day go? Where was God in it? What do I need to give thanks for God for? To God for? And how, what do I need to give him for the next day? Just something simple like that. I have, I brought this. You probably can't see it. Um, one of the best ways is actually to have a specific place and time when you're going to do prayer. Um, I have a chair, but I can't always sit in my chair because quite often it's got um, washing, dirty washing in it. But um, th- this is when I get, I have a special pen that I always do my quiet times in. I don't use this pen for anything else. It's my special quiet time pen and book. I go through books. Um, but I have this Bible as well that I read and gaffer tape's wonderful, isn't it? Because it, it gets used a lot. You can do things or have places or, or things that just put you in the right mindset for doing it, a place away where there's no distractions. Uh, and you can have, um, I think it was Northumbria community called them thin places. Places where you can, or things that you can do that where you can really sense God close with you, where there's no distractions. I just want to encourage you to do that, to recognize God's voice, because I really do believe that God has good works, good purposes for our lives. And if we want to walk in them better, we need to spend time with this God who designed us to pray, who wants us to be in a close relationship with him, who loves to listen to us, and also a God who loves to speak goodness into our lives. So make the time. Go on this journey. And powerful things, amazing things, I'm sure, will happen as a result.